Help me welcome our internet audience. God bless you guys. So glad you're with us. Peace to your house. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, how many of you know God wants us to thrive? Well, if you don't know that, get to know that, all right? And we're going to share some things on that this morning. I'm so glad they brought that song in too about uh, we're meant for so much more than just to survive. Matter of fact, let's just look at this here. God does not want us to just survive. He wants us to thrive. He wants us to thrive. I, I, I want that to just soak in for you this morning. Because you know what we do? We spend a lot of our life making excuses or having reasons why, you know, this is still broken, that's still messed up, and this doesn't work, and, and all of those things. And I just want you to know God is able to fix, and God is able to create, and God is able to help you. And his intention towards you is that you would have a future and that you would have a hope. Amen? Amen? He doesn't want you to just survive, and he do, certainly doesn't want you just languishing. He wants you to thrive. Amen. Well, let's look in Psalm 92. It says the righteous, and we looked at some of this last week, the righteous shall flourish or thrive, the word really means, like a palm tree. He shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those who are planted, everybody say planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish or thrive in the courts of our God. They shall still bear fruit in old age. They shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Can anybody say amen this morning on that? Uh, We'll be looking at this throughout this series and I'm extending this series just, just a little bit because some very important things. There are some practical things and some spiritual things that will make all the difference. I believe that there are reasons. Everybody say reasons. There are reasons, there are uh, root issues and there are surface issues. There are reasons why one would thrive or not thrive. You can look at a person's life pretty much and, and look at their patterns and pay attention to your patterns. We'll look at that in a little bit more in a few moments here. But there, it's almost predictable if a person's going to thrive or not. That's not us judging anybody, but it's just, a, it's just a matter of that God has set some things in place, spiritual and practical things, that we must pay attention to. And that's what we're doing with this series is getting some instruction, getting some insight on this so that we can thrive. And you're going to find that there are a lot of adjustments and alignment that you can make along the way. If you're not thriving right now or areas of your life not thriving right now, listen, this is not a house of condemnation. Do you, do you get that? This is not a house of condemnation. This is a house of hope. This is a house of grace. This is a house of love and peace. And Jesus came into a very broken world full of broken and lost people. And he didn't come as judge and cop and king. He came as savior. And the scripture said that he came full. Get this. He came full of grace and he came full of truth. And so this is a house of grace and truth. That's how he came to help us was grace and truth. And I believe that his grace and truth are going to help us so that you and I can thrive. Amen. Now, verse 13 in Psalm 92 said this. It says, those who are planted, say it again, planted. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord, notice that, shall flourish. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. So those that are planted, and I want us to really think about planted. Uh, A plant or a tree if it's fully going to thrive, it has to be planted in the right, the right place. You know, there's some things uh, just don't grow here that grow in other places. Uh, and there are things that grow here that don't grow in other places. 
And so we, we want to know that our lives, like a tree, that we get planted in the right place, it's going to give us the right amount, uh, the, the right temperature for us, the right amount of sun and shade and moisture and nutrients and space and all the things that ultimately it takes for us to thrive. Now, when we're talking about thrive, we're not talking about perfection, okay? Because we're all still this side of heaven, but you can thrive. I believe you can bloom where you're planted. You know, you can grow some pretty roses on the dung heap. Just saying. All right. All right. But God wants us to thrive. Things can bloom in the desert even, but ultimately we want to get things in the right place so we can thrive. And the scripture pointed out that those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall thrive. So let's look at this idea of house of the Lord. In Psalm 122, the psalmist writes this, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why don't you read that to me? I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And so he said he was glad. You know, sometimes in raising five kids, you wake them up for school and they're not glad. You know, your alarm goes off or somebody wakes you for work, you're not glad. But we should be glad. We should be glad. Glad is a sense of anticipation and excitement. It's like me waiting in line for food. All right? This, this is like waiting in line for some awesome roller coaster or something, you know. I was glad. And you're going to see why he was glad here uh, as we go along with this message. But I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I'm going to tell you what, times growing up in different, different seasons of my life, I was not glad. I was not glad to go to the house of the Lord, you know, and and a lot of reasons. And we'll unfold that this morning as well. But notice this, let us go to the house of the Lord. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord shall uh, uh, flourish or thrive. Remember David said in the 23rd Psalm, verse six, he said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And maybe you've had some goodness and mercy follow you all the days of your life. Hey, and even if you haven't walked right with God, you look back and you're going to find there was some goodness and mercy following you. Oh, come on. There was some goodness and mercy following you. And the word follow actually means to pursue, to hunt down. And sometimes the messes we've made is God's goodness and mercy following us that have helped us to get to where we are. Amen. But because of that kind of goodness, David said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And he says this, then I will dwell where? In the house of the Lord forever. And of course, house of the Lord means uh, heaven and the eternal presence of God. But in the setting of that, it also means this. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, pursue me all the days of my life. And get this part. And I will keep returning to the temple. I will keep returning to the temple. I'm going to keep coming back because of God's goodness in my life and because I need that goodness. I'm going to keep coming back to the temple. Then we look throughout this, uh, the Old Testament for this phrase, uh, the house of the Lord, the Lord's house, when we see this. And remember, a house is a building that a family lives in. Keep that in mind. But I will dwell in the house of the Lord, those that are planted in the house of the Lord. Wherever we see that, we also see that there were glad shouts. The people gathered. There was sweet counsel. The word of the Lord came. Songs of praise. We see all these things going on. And what they do, they point us not just to heaven and not just the eternal presence of God, but they also point to the temple or in our setting, in our vernacular, they point to church. Everybody say church. So in essence, David was saying, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to church. 
Okay? And what we're trying to do at Meadowbrook is make it such a place that you'll be glad to come. Okay? And then we're not dragging our tail. You say, I don't have a tail. You no, know, but I've seen you drag it. Okay? And, and, and we want to make sure of that. And that church, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let's go to, go to church. But get this too. Those that are planted in church are going to thrive. And we're going to look at this as we go this morning. If you are going to thrive, you're going to have to be planted. Everybody say planted again. Planted in a healthy, life-giving church. Not a perfect church because do you know how many perfect churches there are? None. I've actually had people, you know, say, this church is perfect. And I go, it's your first week, isn't it? You know? And let me just go ahead and relieve you. This church is not perfect. I'm not perfect. My family's not perfect. Staff is not perfect. Programs are not perfect. Building's not perfect. There is nothing perfect about what's going on here except who this is all going on about. And that he is the perfect one and his word. Amen. But we're endeavoring of everything in us to make this healthy and life-giving. And if you're going to thrive, you've got to get planted in a healthy, life-giving church. A thriving Christian life involves more than just believing. It must also include belonging. And that's an important thing. Not just attending, but getting planted. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it talks about the need that we not only have relationship with the head, the Lord Jesus, but we also are integrately, uh, intricately and integrated, related with the body. So not just the head, but the body. We're not called to do this thing all alone. There's no lone ranger Christianity here. We're connected to the head, connected to the body, planted in church, planted in the house of the Lord. Let me put it to you this way. Church days affect the rest of our days. And that's not some cutesy little statement that we came up. I want you to know something. Church days affect the rest of our days. Will you say it with me? Church days affect the rest of our days. Like nothing else, like nothing else. Before our our family got saved when I was growing up, uh, church uh, for us was the bowling alley. That's where my parents tithed, gave offerings, and had communion. And we were there all the time. I'm telling you, we were all, my stepdad, he, he bowled in a league. My mom bowled in a league. They bowled in a league together. My brother was in a league. We were in a league. We were there four or five nights, days a week. Uh, you smoked for free back then. I mean, whether you smoked or not, you smoked, you know, when, when you went. I mean, it was just natural. We just, to, to this day, that smell kind of reminds me of bowling. But, but can I tell you something? Uh, all of that did not help our lives. There was still anger and alcohol and brokenness and insecurity and poverty and everything else in our family. It did not help us at all. I still like to bowl and I'm pretty good. But it, it didn't change your life. But church days, done in the right way, church days affect the rest of our days. Amen. Amen. Now, look in Hebrews chapter 10. And the writer says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking, what's this? The assembly. Did everybody say assembling? Yeah. Assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Do you see the day approaching? So, so much the more. So a number of things about this. First of all, it's an emphatic directive. 
This is strongly, strongly worded here that you're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together. You know what it's saying? Go to church. I said it says go to church. And an assembly is not just a gathering. A puzzle in a box is a gathering. But you've got to open that box and put it out on the table and get all the pieces. Everybody say, I'm a piece. piece. We get all the pieces out and get you turned right side up and out on the table and connected in the right places. And then something beautiful and something colorful and something meaningful takes place. That's an assembling and not just a gathering. And we're called We're called to do that. And actually the context of this verse is not so much that you would go to church. Actually what it's talking about is that you not neglect, that you not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, the coming together. It's a given. It's just understood by this verse that you do go to church. And the directive here is that you don't forsake that. You don't neglect that. It goes on to say that uh, that is the manner, the habit, the custom, the pattern of some people. And we need to make sure that our manner, our habit, our custom, our pattern, everybody say pattern. You need to pay attention to patterns in your life. Pay attention to patterns, but make sure that the pattern of our life involves that we are planted in church, that we get ourselves there and we do not neglect, we do not neglect coming together. Let, Let me just say it this way. If, if you missed work for all the reasons that you missed church, you'd be broke. You'd be broke. Now, y'all are here, but I'm saying it for everybody, all right? You can pass it on to your little pals too, okay? All right. One of the things we see in this writing in Hebrews, it says, but exhorting one another, it means to warn and urge, and the strongest meaning is this, to encourage to encourage. And what should happen when we come together is that you get encouraged. And not only that you get encouraged, but you, you encourage other people as well. Did you know it's important that you, you smile and are friendly to the people around you? My brother, when, when he was in college, uh, he visited a church and he gave him four weeks and he said, nobody talked to him. Nobody greeted him for four weeks. And you know what? He hardened himself. He closed, he closed off. He didn't go to church for years. And I'm telling you, let it not happen here. I said, let it not happen here. Go beyond yourself and your two pals, okay? Go beyond beyond that and reach out to people. People are hurting here, you know? And and, and it'd be wrong for us to assume that we come together in church and got it all together. That is so, so not true, okay? And and God is helping us to get it together. And I want you to know, I don't care how broken you are, you are welcome here. This This is not a museum. This is a hospital. This is about people repair. This is about get, getting ourselves that piece of the puzzle get flipped over in the right place and actually we belong up in this corner and get, get moved around and God's helping us with that. Amen? And, and that's not just up to me and a few of the staff. That's up to all of us that the family just welcomes and we love. And uh, y'all with me this morning on this? All right. So we encourage, we encourage one another. And then when we come together, we've got God's presence and God's word and God's people and God's agenda. And, and it's a wonderful thing that can happen. Look at this same verse here in the new century version, Hebrews chapter 10. It says, you should not stay away from the church meetings as some are doing, but you should meet together and encourage each other Do this even more as you see the day coming. Ignatius, 
He was the bishop of Antioch way back. He said this, when ye, everybody say ye is me. I mean, we don't say that that much, but when ye frequently and in numbers, listen to this. When ye frequently and in numbers meet together, the powers of Satan are overthrown. And his mischief is neutralized by your like-mindedness in the faith. I want to read that again. When ye frequently and in numbers meet together, the powers of Satan are overthrown. And his mischief is neutralized by your like-mindedness in the faith. Listen, union is strength. Isolation is dangerous. Look at this in Isaiah chapter 35. And the ransomed of the Lord, the redeemed of the Lord, what does Psalm 107 say? And the redeemed of the Lord shall say so, say so. The ransomed, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. Everybody say Zion. We'll come back to that in a moment. Come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. And they shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sign shall flee away. Now just look at that verse right there. How many of you would like to obtain some joy and gladness? Obtain some joy and gladness. And how many of you like some sorrow and sign to flee away? Okay, well, where did they go for this? Where did they go for this? They went to Zion. Zion. Now, Zion means fortification. It means the city of God. It means the people of God. And you bring it over into the New Testament. And when you find Zion in the New Testament, it is figurative of the church. You can find some of that in Hebrews chapter 12. But it's figurative of the church. So what we're saying, can we go back? Uh, Let's start this verse over. And the ransom of the Lord shall return and come to Zion. Can I say it? Come to church. Come to church with singing. And with everlasting joy on their heads. We're excited about this. David said, I was glad when they said to me, go to, let's go to the house of the Lord. Go ahead to the, they shall obtain. Here's what's going to happen at church. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. The new international version says gladness and joy will overtake them. Anybody want that? Anybody need that? And sorrow and sighing will flee away. Anybody want that? Anybody need that? The New English uh, Bible says, suffering and weariness shall flee away. No wonder the psalmist said, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Because I need something. I've got to have something happen for me that I can't get at the bowling alley. Or anywhere else. We've got to have this. We've got to, I've got to have some gladness and some joy. And I've got to get some sorrow and sign to flee. And I got to get the enemy, that monkey off my back. Even if it's just for an hour, there's a reason why we call this a sanctuary. You know, the only one not welcome in this place, the enemy of our souls. He is forbidden by the blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb of God. And this is a safe place for us to come in. Amen. Church days affect the rest of your days. Don't treat them as optional. Get planted. I want to share with you briefly a story out of my life. I was about 18, 19 years old, and this was my turning point. This was my turning point in life. When I was about sixth grade, about 12 years old, whole family got saved. I've shared that testimony from time to time. And then I watched over the next few years, even though I believed that God was good and God was real, I watched believers behave very badly. I watched church and I thought, if, if really? So many settings were boring. People were fighting. 
There was so much hypocrisy, fakery, weirdness. My only problem was I couldn't drive. But in my mind, I was saying, hey, I, I call it the optional age. As soon as I can drive, as soon as it's optional, this guy is gone. God, I believe you're real, but your people are whack. <laughs> At least in my neck of the woods. Well, when I started to drive, uh, I still lived at home. And my six foot four ex football player stepfather said, Son, you live in my house and you eat my food, you're going to church. And I said, I can't stand your church. He said, Then find another church where you're going to go. So I found another one. And really, the only thing better about that church and the reason why I went there. They had girls. Just saying. Well, time went on, and, and then I graduated high school, and, and I'm going to a community college in Leesburg. And I started to meet some new friends from some other cities. And I, and I met a couple of my friends that were just on fire for God. They had joy, they had peace, they weren't weird. They were, they were awesome, and they were truly excited about God. God was real in their life. And I thought, <laughs> I don't know what this is. And they would have conversation with me, and, and I believed. You know, I, I believe in God, but, I, you know, I'll have what you're having. And so they invited me to church. The first time I went, it was to a college and career night. that They'd have services on a Tuesday night, and I, and I went to that. And it was over in the Orlando area. And at the time, it's, it's not now I'm praying for that church, but back then it was thriving. This was in the late 70s. That's last century for some of y'all. <laughs> late 70s. And I went, and there were like six, 700 college-age people there on fire for God. And it's just like the presence of God. I cried the whole night. And I drive back home an hour and 10, hour and 15 minutes back home. I could not wait for the next week to go back. And then through one of my friends who was a musician, and I was a musician, he said, hey, we're going to need an extra trumpet. And so I came and I got to, got to play in church with Disney musicians and everything. It was, just, it was just off the chain. And I felt the presence of God, and, and I heard the word of God like it never had in my life before. And I thought, this is incredible. And so I'm inching closer and closer to just really turning and saying, God, my life is yours. Well, about the same time, some of my old friends, how many of you have some old friends too? So <laughs> like, I got my new friends, but I got my old friends too. And some of my old friends said, man, and we were all getting to that age now where we had a little more freedom. You know, we're, we're of age now and we got some freedom. They go, come on, man, we're going to Orlando. We're living in Leesburg. We're going to Orlando, man. We're going to tear Orlando up. And I'm going, yeah, I'm all in. So we head off. We're driving. And suddenly I realized the roads that we're driving are the very same roads I was driving to church. And we're going for a whole nother purpose. And we're jamming out to Boston and the Bee Gees. You know? And I'm miserable. And we're headed to some not so good places. And I just whispered a prayer in the back of the car. I said, God, please get me out of this. Please get me out of this. And I'm not kidding you, it's the truth of God. About five seconds later, that car died. <laughs> and hobbled over to the side of the road. And I'm like, yeah. My buddies are slamming the hood and cussing. I'm like, oh, yeah. yes. 
You're so real. <laughs> Called a friend. He came, picked us up, took us back to town, and, and, and I, made a, I made a decision. And that was on a Friday night, and on Sunday I'm in church, and over the next few months, I'm telling you what, I got planted in the house of the Lord. And listen to me, I got planted in the house of the Lord. I could not wait for church days to come. I couldn't wait for them to come. I couldn't get enough. I was around real deal people, not perfect people, but real deal people, feeling God's presence, hearing God's word, worshiping God. I remember the first time in service, worship, or one time in service, a worship leader said, some of y'all have never lifted your hands to God before. You've been told it's something weird, but I invite you to be weird this morning. And I just went ahead during the song and I got like this high. And then I broke through and, and joy just came in. But, but listen, I started serving. I got in a small group. I was driving an hour and 15 minutes to get there. And I, and I found out this truth, a church alive is worth the drive. And this changed my life. I have never been the same since. And it's because I got planted. I got planted. Everybody say planted. I got planted in the house of the Lord. That was my turning point. I have never, ever turned back. And I think it's because I got planted in the house of the Lord. Amen. If you are going, if you're going to thrive, you're going to have to get planted in a healthy life-giving church. A thriving Christian life is not just about believing. It's about belonging. It's not just attending. It's getting planted. It's about relationship, yes, with Jesus the head, but it's also about relationship with his body. And the things that we do here, services, get this, this is very intentional. Services, small groups, growth track, dream team. Although they had different names in that portion of my life, those are the very elements that I got involved with that helped me to get planted and to start to thrive in my life. And that's why we do what we do here. And listen, I invite people to church. I invited somebody the other day, but I don't want them to come so we can have more numbers. You know, and, and numbers are exciting and we count people because people count. And the church has never been as large as it is right now. And I just feel more and more responsibility and more and more burden because, listen, I don't want you to come here just for numbers. You know why I want you to come here? You know why I want you to be in service and growth track and groups and dream team? Do you know why? So we can fill out those programs and look cool? No, I'll tell you why. Because I want you to thrive. Amen. I want you to thrive. I know what it takes to thrive. And part of it is those that are planted not just cruising through, but planted in the house of the Lord. I'm telling you what, you're going to take off and you're going to begin to thrive. And that's what we want for you. That's what we work day and night for all week long, every week, is so this can be a happy, healthy, life-giving place and give you the opportunities, direct opportunities to get planted so that you can thrive in the house of the Lord. And when you come, and I pray it's every time when you come, I pray that you obtain, follow me on this, that you obtain gladness. And joy and that sorrow and sighing would flee away from you. Hear me on this. My prayer is that every time you come, that you are cleansed and strengthened from the inside out. So that when you leave here and when you go out of the sanctuary, you ready for this? And you go out there where they don't play by rules. You'll be okay. No, you won't just be okay. You'll be an overcomer. And you will thrive in life. Amen.
Listen, there's no rules out there. There's no rules out there. You've got to get in here. I was wrestling with my son, Gabriel. He's 14, almost 15, and the guy just is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. So I got to do more head games when we're wrestling. <laughs> and we're wrestling, and he starts pulling on one of my ribs. And I'm just doing Greco-Roman, you know, rules. And I say, hey, man, that's against the rules. He goes, Dad, there are no rules. <laughs> That's the way it is out there. They don't play fair outside. That's why you've got to get in here and get in here and get in here and get planted. That's why David said, I was glad. I was glad. I couldn't wait for him to say, let's go to the house of the Lord. So we could obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sign and flee away. And then when we go out there, we're going to be okay. I want you to thrive. And those that are planted in the house of the Lord, they're going to flourish. They're going to thrive. Amen. Did y'all get anything at all out of this today?